All right, so welcome to Simone Shea, the podcast that Shu's family knows about. Oh, yeah, baby. So how did your family find out about Simone Well, how does anyone find out about anything nowadays? Facebook? Social media. Social yep. media. It'll... Facebook, Instagram. So fam, bam, if you're out there listening. <laughs> bam. I'm sorry. No, that was no. good. No, I'm saying sorry to my family. Oh. <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't know why I care. You know, it's like. Whatever, I'm just a person. Yeah. Living my life. But, but it's weird because it there's something very uh, intimate about creating art. And so your family knows you or the version of you you show to them. And it's really easy to make art for random people. You're, it's easy to be your whole exposed self and have the sort of vulnerability required to do that so like yeah. it's weird being it's like you would you don't you wouldn't show your family members your genitals you know well i think that's just it like all the talk of uh sex vaginas drugs mm-hmm. you know it's a little it's yeah raw and it feels fine when i think like no one's gonna hear this so who cares yeah and then reality is like i don't know my brother might listen uh-huh. ew yeah, my brother listens. Oh, does he? Well, first he wrote uh, he wrote me to say, will your podcast upset me? And I said, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay. I said, have at it. We could use the listens. Um, <laughs> That's but, true. But yeah, uh, uh, sometimes like I have a lot of friends who are musicians and sometimes it feels very intimate where I know them. They're my friend. But if I listen to their record, especially when they're not all around, I almost feel like I'm seeing them naked. I don't know. It's really yeah. weird. It's very intimate listening to your friend's music. And I feel like that about podcasting where if my friends don't listen, I'm so not offended. Uh, and I guess that's a normal thing. I've heard other podcasters talk about how once they if they befriend other podcasters they stop listening to their shows because it sounds weird to hear to listen in on your friend's conversation yeah I could see that yeah so welcome if you're listening and if you don't want to listen anymore that's fine too yeah we not if someone and if someone has you tied to a chair and is making you listen to that (laughs) I don't know. Sorry. Sorry about it. I'm sorry (laughs) you're kidnapped and being tortured. But hopefully the extent, hopefully this is as bad as it gets. Yeah. Okay. Well, (laughs) thanks for letting me get that off my chest. That felt good. Okay. Guys, tonight we are talking Kratom. (laughs) Yeah, we are talking about Kratom, which is uh, growing in popularity It's something that can be bought at head shops and gas stations, and it is kind of on the fence whether or not it's going to be legal for much longer. So if you you want to try it, if this show inspires you to try it, do it now, because we don't know how much longer it's going to be legal for. We don't know. So I don't know, do you want to back it up and give a brief history of what what it is, what it's about. Yeah, uh, uh, let's see. Let's look at the notes here. So I see it comes in capsule or leaf form. Um, before it became popular here in the U.S., it is used in Southeast Asia for um, 
I believe anxiety, um, stomach, bowel issues, um, and to opiate, uh, to get off opioids. Yes. Yeah, so kratom is a Southeast Asian plant. It's uh, similar to a coffee plant. It's in the coffee family. And in small doses, it is a stimulant. In large doses, it has opiate-like effects. It is not an opiate, but it does act on your opioid receptors. And I'm not a chemist, so I'm not even going to attempt to explain that. It's some. I did reading. I did research. I wanted. I wanted to present. I put kratom into the Google. I put kratom into the Google. I listened to some podcasts about it. Oh, but so yeah. If you take a little bit, it's going to be an upper, much like coffee. Uh, but if you take a lot, you're going to experience opiate-like effects. And people use it to help them get off opiates. Um, it's uh, safer and more effective than Suboxone or Methadone. And one of the benefits of that is. If people are trying to get off of heroin, they have to go to the methadone clinic every morning and you have to wait in line and you're not allowed to talk to other people, I guess, is a thing. And you just have to quietly wait in line every single morning to get your dose of methadone. Uh, whereas Kratom is legal. You can buy it. You can take it in the safety of your own home. And so a lot of people have uh, found that that's helped them out. A lot of people use it for getting off alcohol as well mm-hmm. to reduce their alcohol cravings. Uh, if you're me, you maybe will use it to reduce your appetite. Um so one of the things <laughs> one of the things that I learned in doing my research is that it does have some of the side effects that opiates have, uh, which would be itchiness and constipation. Ooh. And that would exp- so I have Crohn's disease. We know this. We know this. The listeners know this. Everyone knows this and we're all okay with it. We're all okay with it. And I alternately will admit to or deny having Crohn's disease depending on how long I've been (laughs) asymptomatic or symptomatic. But uh, since I've been taking Kratom, because uh, someone gave me some recently, I've been wanting to try it and someone said, hey, I have a lot of Kratom. Do you want some? And I said, I'm not an idiot. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I want free drugs. Uh, But that's interesting because I haven't been um, shitting constantly. And I thought it was just because, like, I've been doing real well. Oh, okay. I was going to say good or bad. Good. I mean, good. Yeah, okay. because I usually, you know, I I go to the bathroom three to ten times a day, which isn't normal. <laughs> three is, three is fine. Little, three is fine. Anything more is a little excessive. Is a little excessive. Um, but uh, now, so, I, now I know why, actually, why I haven't been uh, shitting constantly. And it's because I've been taking Kratom. And uh, I'm going to ease up on the Kratom just okay. because... Uh, the you know the less you poop the harder it is and the harder it is the uh, more it hurts your butt that's so true i like i Ain't like that the truth it is the truth i like my bowel movements like a nice pico de gallo <laughs> which is not i'm not saying it's the best i'm just saying it's what i've become accustomed uh, to is that i can't digest food and it just all comes out like a pico de gallo where you know exactly what the ingredients are <laughs> You know exactly what it went into making it. And um, I've been taking Kratom. That hasn't been the situation. I kind of miss it. (laughs) So you want want the Pico back? I mean, well, I don't know. I think it sounds like Kratom's doing you a little bit of good. Yeah. Just a little. But I don't know. You know, you get the roids and then it hurts. Oh. You know what I'm saying? Man, you know what? 
the anus so f- sophisticated so complicated it's i like that you said sophisticated instead of like she's a touchy bitch because <laughs> the anus is a touchy bitch well i worked for um a ear doctor an ear nose and anus doctor yes exactly okay. <laughs> for a little bit when i was uh younger and uh he just came into the office one day unprompted and said do you know what the most sophisticated part of the body is? And we were like, oh, no, tell us. And he's like, the anus. That's really what he said? Yes. And everyone was like, wait, what? And he's like, the anus can tell you when you need to fart versus when you need to shit. It can, it can take things in and take things out i can't handle that a grown man is telling this to you he went on and on i was like doctor likes the anus he's real impressed with the anus yeah so that's why i say it's sophisticated i it's one of the body's wonders the whole body is a wonder it is but specifically the anus i just feel like people should be more comfortable talking about it talking about poop i know it really offends people but I don't just, like to talk to talk about poop with anyone I'm gonna fuck, which I think we just well, now, that's yeah. There's we just, some lines. We just settled that I'm not gonna sleep with any of our listeners because <laughs> that's probably a good thing. I uh, I mean, if I'm not gonna have sex with fans, I don't know why I'm working so hard on building this media <laughs> empire. Because here's the thing: I like fucking people who are out of my league, and I feel like. If some, if some sophisticated silver daddy were to fall in love with this internet celebrity, I could, you know, I could start like fucking out of my league, Yeah, you know? And uh, if I'm not, if this isn't leading to me having sex. Are we talking about Paul Reisner? You, yes. <laughs> I knew it. I Is knew Paul, it. I actually wasn't picturing Paul Reisner, but now I am and I'm very wet. <laughs> I know he's one of your favorites. Uh, a coworker today asked me what I thought of an older man. He was like, hey, Sydney, you like older men. What do you think of so-and-so? And I was like, not my type. And he asked what my type was. And I said, do you know who Mark Marin is? Mm. He did not. And then I said... That's weird. Right? Um, first of all, Mark Marin, everyone should be familiar with because he's fucking fantastic. Everyone knows who he is. Someone told me they had trouble getting into his podcast because he was just so negative. And I said, I can't with you. I I don't think he's negative. No, he's neurotic. I like him. And it's comforting because when I got sober and I went from having a hundred friends to having two, (laughs) I had Mark Maron to listen to. That's right. And it was someone to relate to. But anyways, this kid didn't know who Mark Mark Maron was. So then I said, how about Paul Reiser? That's my dream man. Paul Reiser is silver daddy perfection. He also had no idea who Paul Reiser was. And I said, get the fuck out of here. That's just crazy. Is it Paul Reiser or Paul Reisner? Reiser. Okay. There's no N. I've been saying it wrong. Don't you hate when you do that? You go years just saying things wrong. And then one day someone's like, that's not how you say it. (laughs) Can I tell you a really shameful one? Yeah. Okay. Please do. Etc. Uh-huh. I said etc. Etc. And I spelled it E C T. 
Because it's, it's okay. It's that abbreviated. is like really common mistake. The ECT. I made that mistake, not knowing it was a mistake, until I was twenty eight or twenty nine, and when I realized that that was my mistake, I was very ashamed. I also <laughs> would say take umbrance with instead mm. of umbrage, mm, and yeah, these are the. These are the things. These are the things. In case anyone uh, was wondering if I'm a fucking nerd, these are the <laughs> things that I feel guilt and shame about is saying, taking umbrance with <laughs> instead of umbrage. These are the things that haunt me. In case you were wondering if I was some sort of intellectual fucking <laughs> masturbatory piece of shit. I love it. These are the things that I occupy my mind. I, it, I love that. If I'm texting with a man and he uses the wrong form of there or something to that extent, I just, I can no longer become aroused at the thought of that man because I'm a fucking snob. I'm the snob. <laughs> that is snobby. I am the snobbiest barista slash bartender you'll ever meet where it's like, I am working class as fuck. I don't have a savings account. I don't have a 401k. But you have good grammar. But I have good grammar, and apparently my ego really relies on that. I'd say that's worth a lot more. I would think than, so. Than a savings account. I'll have one again one day. You can sound smart when you're telling people off. I have a Crayola, uh, I have a metal Crayola crayon that has some uh, currency stuffed into it, so that's like almost a savings account. There you go. There could be upwards of $40 in there. <laughs> You're well on your way. Yeah. Tell no one the location of the studio. They'll come after my crayon money. <laughs> yeah, you could probably... How much kratom could you buy with that? Uh, three ounces. Oh, okay. So that know. was a good way of bringing it back. Um, I always do. You're so much better at this. Bam. You, uh, uh. you are the Ben Kissel to my Henry Zabrowski. Can I just say... I love Ben Kissel. I'm a huge Kissel head. You are a Kissel head. I think he's great. Uh, I don't have anything against Ben Kissel. I think I that podcast is the perfect trio of human beings. We're talking about last podcast on the left, by Go the way. Go give it a listen. Yes. If you like murder and occult and aliens and things of that nature. Yeah. It can get really intense. Some of the episodes, it's like, yowza. It's a lot. But I, I, one of my, one of my favorite, uh, stories about that podcast is, in the summer, in the middle of the summer, I got paid to fly to Los Angeles and drive a little Corvette with no air conditioning uh, back to Phoenix. And so I'm driving through the desert. I'm wearing a bikini. I'm, uh... <laughs> Shit. <laughs> little red Corvette. <laughs> I just fucked that up. It was, more, it was better because you did. So I was driving through the desert... In my little red Corvette. There you go. That wasn't even in tune or in time. So that's good. I liked it. Can you tell that I I, uh, was a musician? Can you tell that? Um, So I'm driving through the desert in my little red Corvette. (laughs) It just keeps getting worse. It's spiraling out of control. Um, But I'm wearing a bikini. I have a bag of ice melting on my lap to help keep me cool because it's over 110 degrees and I'm <laughs> blasting last podcast on the left for s- and it took me like eight hours because I kept having to stop to pee because I was drinking cold drinks to stay cold yes and um, one does. 
And so, yeah, just eight hours of uh, satanic ritual abuse and pedophilia and murder with the windows down. And I'd stop at these truck stops and get out wearing a bikini and, like, throw on a shirt to go inside. And people would watch me. And I'd put sunblock on and then get back in the car and turn the car back on. And it's, like, and she was tied up in the basement. And- <laughs> And these truckers are just like, what the fuck is happening? And, you know, they kill people. So something's got to be really radical for them to have their jaws (laughs) drop because all truckers are murderers. (laughs) Blanket statement. Yes. Um, Oh, so let me bring it back around. Truckers take speed that they buy at truck stops and you can buy Kratom sometimes at truck stops. Oh, really? Yeah. See, this is the thing that makes me not trust Kratom because... When you can buy things at head shops and truck stops, it's like, it's, it's probably not good for you. Yes. It probably has some crazy ass side effects, like spice. Mm-hmm. You're going to go eat someone's face. Uh, those, it actually wasn't, that person wasn't on. What were they on? I don't know. Bath salts. They, they were on bath salts. salts. Allegedly, but apparently not. I don't know. But. Okay, we'll do an episode on that. We will. Well, I, maybe. Okay. We probably will. It's up for debate. It's up for debate. Um, so s- some ad- uh, advocates for Kratom are upset that it's only sold at head shops and truck stops because it is bad for their image. If they're saying, right. hey, I need this because I have chronic pain and I don't want to take um, pain medication. So apparently um, the number one cause of liver failure in the United States is from NSAIDs or Tylenol. That's the number one cause of liver failure in the country. And then when you get into drugs like um, your Oxycontins, your your opiates, those are very dangerous because they cause respiratory depression. So you can stop breathing if you take those. But Kratom doesn't have any of those side effects. So a lot of people are saying... I have slipped discs, I have mm-hmm. this whatever, and I rely on Kratom because for me, I feel like it's a safer alternative to these pain treatments, but it doesn't help the image or reputation if you can only get it by going to a head shop. Because yeah, you you would think, like you, nothing good comes out of a head shop. They always have to sell it <laughs> as a... Uh, Saying that it's incense or plant food or a I lot mean, of those. They n- have some cool pipes. Yeah, and they have cool pipes. Yeah, you can buy a lover's bong there. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't, because most of those like head shop drugs, those are the designer drugs, those chemicals that they make. They're so, scary. Yeah, and, and they are because they're like newly discovered chemical compounds made in the lab and they spray it over some oregano and you smoke it. Yeah, and uh, I watched one of my friends smoke spice and he just like fell in the corner and like shook for like five minutes and then was like, that was crazy. Um, I was sitting there going, you look stupid, and that looked really scary. Um, I've smoked Spice, and I didn't have that effect, but it's not always the same chemical. I smoked it when it first came out, and what happens is they'll make whatever chemical compound it is illegal, so then the laboratory will, like, alter one little molecule on the Yeah, that's where they get you. And it's really hard for... Um, 
emergency room physicians and also psychiatric care uh, doctors because if someone has an adverse reaction to one of those chemicals, they don't know what they're dealing with because it's totally new and unstudied and they don't know the course of treatment or how long or the side effects are or if it causes permanent damage. They have no idea. So yeah. those are dangerous. Um, Kratom is not one of those. It's not made in a lab. It is just a ground up uh, plant that has been used for hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. So there is some sort of studied experience. It's not a new chemical compound. Um, okay. So that's good. Yeah. And um, do you know if there are side effects? I have a friend who's been taking it and he ran out and couldn't get any more. Like he was taking it heavily. Yes. Might I say. And um, he said that he started getting really bad headaches and basically having, like, withdrawal symptoms. So there is, because it is, it does uh, affect your opiate receptors, there are withdrawals to it. If you use it heavily and stop taking it cold turkey, you will have withdrawals similar to what you have with opiates, which okay. the physical opiate withdrawals last about three days. Mm-hmm. Uh, the psychological withdrawals last a long time. If you use opiates, you generally have um, depressed dopamine for one to two years afterwards. So it's that's the struggle. If someone someone can easily physically get off heroin, it takes three days. However, your brain isn't right for a really, really long time, which leads you to crave the drug. Yeah. Um, so, yes, Kratom can cause opiate-like withdrawals. It also, similar to most drugs and to its relative coffee, you can build up a tolerance to it. So if you take it regularly, you have to take more and more and more to get the same effect. And then also coffee, you have withdrawals from um, yeah, and true. Kratom you do. So it's not a perfect drug uh it's is any drug though no there's there's side effects and downsides to to everything and like everything it should be in moderation if you're gonna do it if you're gonna do it do it in moderation and go into it with a full knowledge because a lot of times with drugs the advocates for it will act like snake oil salesmen they'll say this is a cure-all Kratom will solve your arthritis. Yeah. Your heroin addiction. Well, that's what they say. It's like relief from uh, pain, depression, anxiety, like we said, to get off opioids, um, to help your arthritis, Mm -hmm. to suppress your hunger. So So it's great, but also you will become chemically addicted to it, and you'll have to take more and more to have the same effect. So it's not... A perfect drug. It's not a forever drug. It's not a cure. It's not a cure-all. It is... I would think of it more as like a a, a stopgap where you're... If you're picking the lesser of two evils, it's less It's less bad than heroin. Um, and maybe even if you do need pain... If you, say, break a, a limb or you're, you have some sort of condition where you're going to need long, longer-term pain management... Um, Maybe it is a better alternative than to take painkillers because that is a scary territory to go into. Oh, yeah. It's kind of like you you don't want to be driving tired, but if you are, have a cup of coffee. It's better than (laughs) falling asleep and driving your car into a pole. Yeah. I don't know. That was a bad analogy. No, I... eh. 
Kind of. Half, half. It was half, half. I should say I started drinking a cup of Kratom tea when we started recording. Hey, hey So how do you feel? Um, how long does it take to kick in? So the first uh, round that I had gotten were, was in capsules, and those took longer to kick in. And then I started mixing the powder in with tea, and it kicks in within five to ten minutes. It kicks in really fast. <laughs> okay. And the first time I did it, I put what I thought was about a teaspoon into a cup of Minute Maid Light strawberry lemonade. Mm. And next thing I knew, I was way too fucking high. I was way too fucking high. And I have done heroin once. I smoked heroin. And this was... <clears throat> As far as I can remember, this was heroin. This Whoa. felt like... That's scary. It was kind of scary. Or if you've ever been given morphine, um, I because I've had morphine in the emergency room twice, and this was definitely very similar to that, where I realized I took way too much. That mm-hmm. dose that I took is way too much, because this is fucking heroin. Um... And so I learned to maybe take a little less. Yeah. But sometimes you got to push yourself to the brink. Uh, <laughs> push it to the limit. Um, but most people don't have, most people probably wouldn't be as sensitive as I am. Because if I take a painkiller kill, pain pill, I'll take a quarter of a Vicodin. Right. A quarter of a Vicodin is good for me. Most people take. A Vicodin. A Vicodin or two. Yeah. So it maybe wouldn't have such an extreme uh, effect on other people Mm -hmm. because everyone's different. But for me, a teaspoon of this stuff and I said, well, hello. (laughs) Well, hello, (laughs) Did you feel like just laying there like really relaxed or did you want to like get up and do stuff? I definitely did not want to do stuff. I wanted to lay down. Have you ever... You know, when you, for me, if I if I have morphine, I really can't move. I yeah, feel, it's it, you just want to lay down and relax and just. Not, it's not even a want, really. You it's don't just have a, a choice. I'm gonna sit wherever I am right now. Yeah, because I feel like the room is kind of floaty or spinny, and it's why I don't particularly like opiates because the side effects outweigh you feel an overwhelming good feeling uh but also it's mixed with a weird like nausea and spinniness and disconnectedness and i don't particularly enjoy that i'm not an opiate person so and you don't get that with kratom no no you do oh you do get that you do when i took that because if when I, you took that big dose, yeah, okay. because it's if it's a small dose, it's a it's a stimulant. But if you take a big dose, it's an opiate. So it definitely gave me that. I feel kind of nauseous, and the room is spinning. Okay. I feel good, but bad, bad. Because I like to be doing things. If I can't be up and engaged in activities, I really don't enjoy a drug. The idea of being like, I'll just sit in a corner and feel blissful. <laughs> isn't a great time for me. Yeah. Again, I'd rather be sober and look someone in the eye during sex. That seems like more of a rush. Oh, yeah, baby. Oh, yeah. Unless I'm ashamed to be fucking them. In which case, if they fucking look me in the eye, they fucking it's over. Me. It's over. It's fucking over. Until I'm lonely enough to <laughs> see them again. And the cycle starts once it's again. Like, 
I know you're in love with me. <laughs> and I know that I'm very lonely. So let's just acknowledge this for what it is. Don't look at me. And don't you fucking look at me. And if you fucking tell anyone that I was ever here, <laughs> I will be very angry until I'm lonely enough to come over here again. <laughs> you know, dating. Oh, Am I yeah. right, ladies? Am I right? Ladies, am I right? Oh, yeah, baby. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, well, Kratom. I had a question about that, too. What? what about more questions about Kratom? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I look forward to answering your questions with something totally unrelated. <laughs> Do you think that it could be considered... Or maybe in the future will be considered, like, a gateway drug to opiates? I don't... That's an like interesting theory. Like, if you have never done heroin, but you start doing kratom, do you think maybe you would be like, oh, this feels great, but I heard heroin is this but more. I feel like the only way it could be a gateway drug is if you became... Um, mentally or physically dependent on kratom and then weren't able to access it but were able to access opiates because that's generally how people end up doing heroin is that they are addicted to pain pills and they can't get a hold of the pain pills so then they end up resorting to heroin also heroin is cheaper is what a junkie friend of mine explained to me she said for ten dollars a day she was good on heroin ten dollars a day kept her from getting sick However, to get that same level of maintenance would have cost her $60 um, for pills. And so she said, and and smoking heroin, you lose more of the product than if you shoot up. So she said, for $10 a day, I'm good shooting up. It's not what I want to be doing, but it's what's working. And... Uh, so taking pain pills is really bad because they have the, the NSAIDs in them that Tylenol is that, that causes liver failure. Right. So being addicted to pain pills, aside from the opiate effects and the respiratory depression and, you know, possibly dying or ruining your life, um, it also causes liver failure. However, heroin doesn't cause liver failure because it doesn't have mm-hmm. um, the NSAIDs in it. So, uh, so it's actually healthier to be using heroin than it is to be abusing pain pills which is really crazy to say that yeah but that's kind of a thing that's known in the heroin community people will abuse the pills because it seems less scary a doctor wrote these for me a doctor wrote these scripts or a doctor wrote this script for someone or this was made in a factory so it's safer but it's actually more dangerous to take Vicodin than it is to, or to abuse Vicodin than it is to abuse heroin, which is insane, which is insane. It's terrible. This I- whole thing is uh, that we have going on with our healthcare and with the levels of addiction through painkillers yeah. is just crazy. Insane. It really upsets me. It's upsetting and scary, and I'm glad it's finally being addressed and people are talking about the overprescription of these and the companies and how they knew they were addictive and were lying about it for years, and that's great. I also would like to address the fact that we have a culture that is leading so many people to be in so much emotional distress that addiction 
is rampant. Right. Because the the biggest indicator for failure to recover from addiction is actually loneliness and social isolation. So that's what we're all doing to ourselves. Which is, yeah, because uh, for example, the Vietnam War, a lot of soldiers got addicted, physically addicted to heroin while over in Vietnam. It was readily available. They were using it. However, they came home and they reintegrated into society and like 98% of those soldiers never touched heroin ever again. Um, right. However, uh, now people, when they start doing heroin, the the recovery rates are so low and it's because they become, when you're an addict, you become more and more socially isolated. Uh, you be, There's social rejection and there's that sort of thing where your family is supposed to reject you and cut you off, but that leads you to be alone, which leads you to engage in more self-soothing behavior because I know for me when I have my binge eating flare-ups those happen in social isolation and it becomes a spiral where you're you're but you isolate to hide your behavior and that leads to more um more abuse so in some countries they've done things with drug addicts where rather than reject them they move them into halfway houses they get them jobs and they don't punish them for failing drug tests or fucking up they just focus on integrating them into society and it turns out the rates of recovery are phenomenal Mm -hmm. because the cure for addiction isn't sobriety it's human connection. Yeah. And if you're busy connecting to other human beings, that's getting you your your dopamine, your oxytocin, all those fucking neurochemicals that we need that we're trying to set off by doing drugs or eating junk food. It turns out you can set those neurochemical those neurotransmitters off by connecting to other human beings and engaging in physical exercise. Like those that's what makes your brain happy. And to just say stop doing drugs just stop doing drugs it doesn't work that way you need to replace it with something because we are these meat sacks that are just fucking a a bunch of chemical reactions (laughs) going on in our heads totally and so to act like a failure to uh be able to stop taking painkillers is a fault of an individual it obviously isn't it's not one individual who oh you're a weak-willed person there's a cultural problem that's leading so many people to feel so fucking terrible that in order to handle just existing in this space that you need to abuse drugs to the level that people are, that's a societal issue. So aside from the evils of the the big pharma, I think that, hey, let's, instead of staring into our phones, stare into each other's souls. Oh, God. Damn, Sydney, I could not have said it better myself. I don't know if I said it well at all. I think you did. Well, thank you. Girl, you you got in my hole in my soul. (laughs) All up in that soul, Uh, bitch. Yeah, it's just, man, it's, it's upsetting. But do you think a hug house would help? I feel, oh, what's a hug house? But I I just know I like the name and probably. Yeah, so this is my new business. It's called Hug House. You can come to one in your area. And basically, you find a partner, someone that you feel comfortable with, and they hug you. They hug you for an uncomfortably long amount of time. 
I think that would be very beneficial and therapeutic. I have a friend who every time I see her, she gives me the biggest, deepest hugs, mm-hmm. but she holds on mm-hmm. just just a little past when you want to let go. Yeah. And I always pull back from her, but she just keeps hugging. Uh-huh. And she's like, that's when you really get the dopamine release they, when you get to that point where you want to yes and keep holding on well they say it takes 10 seconds it, uh a hug of 10 seconds or more causes an oxytocin release which is a feel-good chemical it's a bonding chemical i think that's actually what she said and i just made up what i just said, Dopam- said. well i mean it's all the feel-good chemicals get confused but um, but it is very important. It's why, so there's a, there's a app where you can pay someone to come cuddle with you. They'll spoon you. And that initially could sound really weird, but at the same time, uh, we need human touch. We, we yeah. do. And not everyone can get it. Exactly. That's what hug house would be. Yeah. But I guess it, instead of going to someone's house, they would come to the center. Which is better. It's a neutral ground. Because that's where it's weird is coming to their house. You never know who you're mm-hmm. going to go to. And then mm-hmm. I feel like at the center, there's pods yeah. where you can see people cuddling. And it's not sexual. It's not weird in any way. It's just in the open. We're all cuddling. It's a cuddle puddle. Mm-hmm. Dive on in. Ooh, Bye. that's the slogan. Ooh, dive on in. Hug house. Dive on into the cuddle puddle. That's beautiful. Thank you. I um Yeah, I just I I am not a hugger or I wasn't and I've been working on becoming one because I I just think it's important even when you think you don't want to connect to people or you don't need to, as soon as you do, you feel better. And, um, so I've been working at being more of, more of a hugger because Mm. it is. And so, yeah, I think, I think the value of a hug service is really important. I always say I'm an, I'm like, I'm an attractive young woman and I go through like really long stretches where I don't have physical affection. (laughs) And so I think about people who have maybe something aside from a bad personality, uh, which is my problem. Uh, there are people who have, maybe they have a colostomy bag or some sort of physical disability or they are on the autism spectrum or they have something even that really makes it hard for them to get physical affection because I can't imagine trying to experience any sort of physical intimacy, but like upfront you have to be like, Hey, just so you know. I have a colostomy bag or, you That would know, be hard. It would be really hard. And so then in order for someone to get to overlook that, they have to really like you and you just got to win people over even more. Yeah. And. If I, you just had someone you could pay to hug you. Yeah. And I, and, and also then that would help build confidence to be like I can be held and you could practice with them on like how to approach it yes that would be really good um I think I'm a hug a recovering hug addict oh tell me more well growing up my parents just hugged the shit out of me all the time hugs constantly and you weren't into it oh no I loved it oh and so then when I became a a young adult, I wasn't getting hugs that often because I lived by myself and, mm-hmm. you know, you just, you go days without hugging people. Yeah. And I'd get 
like severely depressed about it. Yeah. I would search out hugs. I would call my friends and be like, can I come over? I need a hug. That's really sweet. It is. But now I, I've realized lately that I don't want hugs anymore. I don't You're like, done. I don't, I switched at some point and now I don't like it. I especially don't like hugging people I don't know very well. Yeah. To me, it's become more of an intimate thing that I only do with like close friends, uh-huh. I guess. I hate when I just meet someone and they're like, they want to hug. Can I tell you that I feel more comfortable hugging strangers than I do people I know? Yeah. That makes, I don't know if that makes sense, but. It's because it's so intimate. We don't it, hug. No, we don't hug. Should we hug when we. I don't know, done? because now it's going to be planned and forced. We'll I'm going to we, make you hug me. No, we'll hug. <laughs> we will hug organically and naturally at some point. I'm making Sydney hug me. But it's almost like weird because it's. There's a vulnerability in admitting how much someone means to you. Right. And so if someone you already really love and care about and they're important to you and then to hug them, that's so intense and intimate. I, f- I think I feel things too deeply. It is intimate. It's- this is where we're learning. I it's, it's really intimate for me to listen to my friend's music. It's intimate for me to hug my friends. Yeah. Because it's it, it, it makes it like not just a single facet friendship it makes it there's like levels and right that's a lot oh i like this to fully to fully love someone yeah. and to love everything about them and to know everything about them my mom once said she, it, she's kind of sad that she hasn't been with the same man her whole life because how great it is to have someone who fully knows you and they still love you and i just was like i don't even know if i want someone to fully know me yeah I don't know if that's even possible. Well, I'm a lot, so it's hard to love all of me. <laughs> not just I'm a you. lot. <laughs> Everyone. Oh, oh, it's not In just general. about me. It's not. <laughs> it's it's not specific to me. I'm not a special case. But yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot yeah. to to fully know and experience someone. And so yeah, if you like, if you, I don't know. Well, um, I'm scared of intimacy. I think. I think that's but a normal thing. But I'll still thing. look you in the eye while we're fucking. Oh, make that eye contact, baby. But don't hug me. Don't do it too long, though. Not, not too long eye contact. Not too long. Not too long. It creeps me out. Uh, <laughs> I love that we're just going to call back to that every single podcast. <laughs> I don't like it. Um, I, well, I think it was maybe in our first episode we were talking about how um, we both get approached by strangers or people oh, uh-huh. feel open to talking to us and I don't like it and you were more open to it. Uh-huh. And uh, this is a while back a few weeks ago. I had to go get my car fixed and I was waiting at the Nissan dealership and this guy sat down and he just started like, talking about his truck and I was like yeah yeah and then he just was like well what are you here for and I'm like yeah whatever don't talk to me (laughs) but he just kept like making small talk Uh uh-huh so then I ended up talking to him and I found out that he lives right down the street from me and he's engaged and his fiance has been married before and we like go to some of the same bars and I don't know I think he's from like Pennsylvania or something I just it was I went home and was like oh I met someone new yeah that was interesting and you got to know a new person yeah I was open to it 
And then when I was driving by a corner store we talked about, I was like, oh, there's that corner store. Yeah. Hey, this guy. And then, you know, there was like the five seconds where I was like, he's been stalking me. He just found out all my information. He's going to murder me now. I'm in trouble. And then I was like, oh, no, that's okay. That's okay. It's not because that's not true. And I, I mean, it's been like months so that hasn't happened it hasn't happened he hasn't murdered you yet he hasn't moited you yet (laughs) moita i tell you what nobody likes moita oh except when it's moita in the pussy oh man (laughs) damn it okay well really i could really go for a good pussy a good moita i could go for a good moita about now you call your officer 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 you want to guess what happened Oh, there's blood everywhere. I told him. I said, Jimmy, it's, it's that time of the month. But he didn't care. He stuck it in there anyways, officer. Moita. Moita, my pussy. <clears throat> Mine would be like, I called the report of Moita. He's like, but there's no dead bodies. Exactly. I wanted him to Moita my pussy. And instead, he just treated it like a delicate flower. <laughs> How do you get blue balls from having sex? Oh, shit. Fucking Christ. Christ. Fucking Christ almighty. I'm going to send Officer McKeegan down there. Take your... Seriously. I'm going to report... I'm going to report... Report. I'm going to report a lack of moita so that the cop will moita my pussy. Is there what's going to happen. In. I obviously also can't form letters with my mouth <laughs> anymore. I'm going to report your murder. What do you think about period sex? Um, I'm not mad at it. I don't do it. I don't... Okay, it depends. If, like, the the days where it's, like, crazy, just heavy... Because if you have... If you're having a guar period, like, it's <laughs> I not love the... that. It's not the fucking best time because it's so fucking wet. It, there's not going to be any friction and it's going to be... You're going to have to shampoo your hair because you're going to get blood in it. Like, that's just what's happening. And so not my favorite. Not my favorite. Maybe in the shower. But um, if it's... Uh, <laughs> If it's when it's not a guar day, then I'm not mad at it. A lot of times I will say, hey, just a heads up, I'm on my period, so it might be messy, and then we'll fuck, and there won't even be any blood, because it just, like, I don't know, decided not to be bleeding at that moment. Yeah. I, okay. I, I mean, I do like when I tell somebody, hey, just so you know, I'm on my period, so I don't know if you want to get into it, and when they say, doesn't bother me, and then we start fooling around, and then they eat my pussy oh no they're so unbothered by it which i've had that happen a couple times and like both times there was no it, it for some reason my period just like stopped bleeding long enough for it me knew. To, it knew it just it went chilled in. the fuck out and yoinks. uh yoinks back up in there back up in there I don't know um, about that. I don't know. I kind of I kind of like someone who's that unbothered by it. Yeah. Because it makes me feel more comfortable with them because it's like, "Hey, m- listen, my body does this and I don't want to have to feel bad if I get blood on your dick." I don't That I, makes sense. I like the idea of someone not caring. Yes. But I feel like I would still be like, "I'm so glad you don't care and that turns me on, but we're still not going to do this." Um, I don't know. I, so before I had my surgery, so I recently 
had my fallopian tubes removed and because they don't tie your tubes anymore they remove them and they removed i had endometriosis and mm-hmm. they took care of that and i had a uterine polyp which causes bleeding between periods mm-hmm. and apparently i just get them like some people get them some people don't i got them every, both times i had an iud because the iud can cause inflammation inflammations can lead to polyp growth not that interesting anyways i twice now have had surgery after having an IUD removed to get a polyp removed because polyps make you bleed between periods. And so I used to basically, I was bleeding. I would bleed more days a month than I didn't. My periods were, my periods were gore concerts. They were, they were real Moida scenes. I was wearing two maxi pads and two tampons to bed so I wouldn't bleed through. Holy fuck, dude. And then, yeah, I had to, so I had, like, this situation that was, like, two maxi pads with two pairs of underwear to hold them in place, two tampons, and I'd have to wake (laughs) up halfway through the night to change everything, otherwise I would ruin my sheets, and it was getting really expensive. I also was bleeding almost a full period amount of blood every time I ovulated, and I was spotting in between. So there was a lot of blood. There was a lot of blood going on in my life, and I started dating someone who had long curly hair, which you know gets me wet, but also I found out that he had a period fetish, which is like... Okay, it's Everyone's gross. Everyone's got a thing. Everyone's Everyone got has a thing. thing. Everyone has a thing. And it's gross. I admit that it is gross that that was his thing. But I found out because I went to hang out with him and I said, hey, I really want to fuck the shit out of you, but my period started today. And his eyes, rather than be betrayed disappointment, mm-hmm. his eyes lit up and he said, that's kind of my thing uh, which okay fine fine because i'm thinking well i'm on my period all the fucking time so the only way i could have a healthy sexual relationship is if my partner was really into periods so i'm thinking you got curly hair you love a bloody you're pussy checking all the marks you're checking boxes. all the boxes but then he fucking followed it up by saying because that's when I think a woman is her most powerful. Oh, and I wanted man. to fucking die. Oh my god. That is so funny that I you still say let that him... though. Because, wait, go finish. Oh. oh, I still let him eat me out. Okay. And then we had lots of period sex and fell asleep, like, just covered in fucking blood oh. and jizz. And it was gross. And he felt so powerful, I bet. He felt like he got to experience a woman at her most powerful, which is so oh fucking God. disgusting. And it sounds like someone who wears linen pants. He did not wear linen pants. <laughs> he had a very high-powered career and a very expensive... I wonder how he got that high-powered career. Probably ate his fucking... <laughs> ate his way to the top eating high-powered, powerful woman oh. bloody pussy. Oh, my god! I don't know. But anyways, at that time, I thought... That's hot? I Well, no, I thought this could really work out because right. I'm on my period 23 this days a month. This is the best situation for everyone yeah, involved. Yeah, until I get health insurance and can have my womb... <laughs> handled uh this is gonna work out now i don't have an iud and i don't have a uterine polyp and i'm only on my period like three or four days a month and so i i can date someone who doesn't have a period fetish and that's really opened up doors for me so i don't have to just go like cruising uh plenty of fish 
<laughs> for someone who likes uh, powerful women. I know, I know someone who might be good for that guy. <laughs> that was on my uh, witch site, witch site, ugh, witchcraft website. <laughs> Which witchcraft website? <laughs> I'm sorry, continue your story. Uh, I'm sorry I made that joke. <laughs> How dare you? How dare you? No. <laughs> Anyways, I was on this forum and um, this girl posted a, a thing about, have you ever used your period blood in magic? Mm-hmm. Which I'm like, okay, yeah, that I have heard of that for writing things down. You know, we were talking about the, um, oh shit, what was it we were talking about? Or the magic oh the sigil building sigils yeah sigil magic you know if you use your blood it's gonna be way more powerful Uh you want to fuck around with that by the way don't fuck around with your period blood and magic if you don't know what you're doing don't use it don't use it but she started posting in the comments like it's good for love spells if you feed it to your partner um they'll stay with you forever well that's incorrect because i fed it to that one guy and it did not last (laughs) He actually disappeared for six months and then sent me a text asking if I wanted to move to Thailand. And I said, what the fuck are you oh, talking about? Oh, this is about? Thailand man? Yeah, Thailand man. And I said, what the fuck are you talking about? Uh, and he said, I have the money. We can just live for a year and really work on ourselves. Yeah. And uh, he didn't understand why I didn't. You weren't going for that? Well, he thought we were still dating, and oh. I said, I think it's really weird that you're contacting me with this, and he's like, why? We're together. And I'm all, are we? Because, <laughs> bitch, I haven't talked to you in six months. Wow. And he said, no, that's there's no way. There's no way. And then... Was he on fucking Kratom? No, he should have been. If he was, he wouldn't have been acting like this. He would, he would have been acting like a mellowed out, chill person instead of yeah. a fucking lunatic. And I just was like, I, number one, I'm really good at remembering dates. That's a thing. Especially Mm -hmm. if I'm seeing someone, I will be able to tell you all the dates that we, like, we met, where we did, what we did. I have a lockbox for that. Also, I have a period app on my phone. So I can tell you the last time we fucked because there's a little heart on that date. And if I click on that date, it'll say your name because I type it in. Oh, shit. You're organized. I'm an organized woman. That's awesome. I keep... I keep everything, like, written in planners and also in period apps. Good. But, yeah, he... So keep track. I, so, yeah, I fed him my period blood, and it did not it last. Work. Well, I was offended by her post. I got angry. Why? Because you can't go around feeding people period blood that they don't know about. It's just Oh, so she went... Upsetting. Oh, I'm sorry, you didn't say... I didn't get the part where it said she... You, she it. didn't say that she was doing it unknowingly. I just assumed. You thought that she meant like feed it to them in actual food, not like feed it to them by no. She on meant their face. food definitely. Oh, that's for gross. like a love spell to get someone's interest or that's to make actually them keep really their interest. That's really gross and dangerous and not cool at all. I know. I got so mad because you need someone's consent to feed them a biological product like from your body. It's just not cool. Anyway, not cool at all. Uh, uh, period. What? Yeah, if you're going to feed somebody something, they need to know what they're eating. It's like when you go to a restaurant and, like, I don't, I want to eat what's on the menu. I don't want to order, you don't order a steak and then they're like, oh, well, we're actually, it's actually pork, but, like, here, just eat it. You want to know what you're eating. It looks like a steak, so just do it. Just do it. 
That's real oh. gross and creepy, and I don't like it. I don't like it either. No, I don't like that at all. You get their consent. I I can't believe I didn't even think that she meant it that way, because in my mind, if you're going to feed you're someone... You're just, like, sexual about well, yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Like, if you're I'm going to... the sexual mindset of well, it. Well, yeah. If I'm going to feed you something from my pussy, it's going to be because I sat on your face, not because I fucking right. made you And dinner. that makes sense. You're both in on it. They know... Yeah, they know they're eating my pussy someone, when they're eating... If you bring someone a duck with some red sweet and sour sauce oh good lord oh my jesus all yeah, right fuck that bitch she's evil she's well, not she's evil she's evil i think so i got really upset i'm, I'm very bothered i by should that. have written I'm actually the very, admin yeah i'm very bothered by that Me too. i was bothered by it for weeks i couldn't stop thinking about That's it like a i kept thought. going back to the post and seeing if there were updated comments and so many times i was like you're oh you're so rude you bitch but i never posted anything but i wanted to in my mind, I did. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't like. I don't like I don't people. Like I don't like things. people either. All right, guys. Well, here's a summary. Kratom. I mean, it's it's good and it's bad, and I drink some. So you decide if you should do it or not, because only you know what's best for yourself and your body. I don't know, so I can't tell you. I can't tell you how to live your life. We don't know. I don't know. Also, period blood. Don't fucking serve it to people in food. And Paul Reiser, if you are listening, we love you. We love you. And I want to make love to you with every fiber of my being. I want to, I want to lick every inch of your body for no fucking reason. I just want to taste you. I just want to caress you from your old man nips (laughs) down to your slightly round belly. I think you are fucking perfection. You have the face of a god and the body the body that is meant to be on top of mine. Have a good night, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>